The Bulls have three seconds to try a shot and try to win the game. This is the Notebook Wagering Podcast. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Coming to you from the betting deck. Don't believe what I just saw. Here are your hosts. What's up, boys? Another show here, Notebook Wagering. We came back last week. We're back this week. We're getting back into a routine, so it feels good. Smitty Nails, what's going on? Just good. another Thursday Thursday night here in Manassas, Virginia. Just excited to have the opportunity to talk to just another under, you know, just unbelievable guest. So we're excited uh, to have this opportunity. So excited to do it, Q. Yeah, I need the mental distraction. I'm taking a beating here in Pittsburgh, storm-wise, work-wise, life-wise. Uh, this is a good distraction for me. All right, well, let's just jump into it. Uh, you know, no more beating around a bush. So we actually have a female guest for you guys today. Um, she's got quite a resume at such a young age. She graduated from LSU. She currently, and correct me if I'm wrong, but she currently hold. Uh, two positions. One is a publisher with Sports Illustrated for SI Bulldogs, and then the other is a blogger for USA Today um, in the concentration of LSU and the Tennessee Titans. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Awesome. All right. So welcome, Christy Floyd. Appreciate you coming on, um, you know, and uh, spending some time with us. So Let's jump right into the first question. Uh, why don't you kind of just give us um, a short, long story short version of like, one, how you got into sports blogging, um, you know, and then uh, where you are at today? Yeah, so I actually didn't like journalism whenever I was growing up. And I was more of, I did enjoy essay writing, and that was something I got pretty good at. And so I was in a dual credit English class in the, my last year of high school. And we had an eight-page essay that we could write anything about. And I chose to write about uh, Zach Mettenberger and how, logically speaking, it couldn't possibly all be his fault as far as the Titans' shortcomings that season. And so I ended up getting really into it and going way more in-depth than I really had to for just a high school paper. And so I ended up figuring out that I actually liked journalism a lot more than I thought that I did. And I liked the quarterback position specifically. And so... I think I joined fan-sided campus sports, uh, a few other places. And just from there, I started reaching out to people, reaching out for interviews, um, trying to further the analytical aspect. And then I kind of went from fan-sided to SB Nation to USA Today to Sports Illustrated. I think that's the pathway. Man, those are some big stops. I'll give you credit on that. Here I am. I'm just trying to (laughs) – a typical podcast out of my living room. (laughs) Uh, all right, somebody, why don't you go ahead? Well, you know, I, I just want to throw this out because, like you said, she's done so much. And, by the way, happy birthday to you because I think that was – Yeah, thank birthday. you. 22. I, you know, I was joking around and saying, man, when I was 22, I was just probably, I don't know, making class or something. But, you know, what you've gone into so far, what's really been the biggest obstacle so far in your reporting career? Um, I would say just the stereotyping in general, because I know that no matter how well I do, people will always see 
like, I guess right now it's 22 year old girl. And then before when I was first going into the press boxes and first doing that, people knew that I was new to being on the ground and it was like 18 year old girl, 19 year old girl. So no matter how impressive the work itself is that you're doing, people are going to kind of lump you into that. And I know I never really participated in student media, but there were a lot of like people I come in contact with that I would have to do work with that would kind of be like, just look at me as student media, even though the, those other kids were student media and I was working for a national outlet, they just kind of put you in the same barrel, I guess. So I think we're kind of past that now. I feel like people don't really view me that way anymore. That was kind of a while ago, but it was really frustrating, you know, to be interviewing people like Matt Hasselback and people who were on NFL Network and going into a, a press conference and talking to Tom Brady and stuff like that whenever I was like 18 and people were still just giving me no props. So it's it's been nice to kind of build, I guess, a bigger following now and for people to have seemed to kind of come over that because I don't really get that anymore. Well, I'll tell you, for about three seconds, you almost lost me as a following when you didn't have Kyle Trask in your top 10 quarterbacks for the draft. <laughs> yeah, well, I had Kyle – as my number one SEC quarterback for a long time. But then the nosedive he took at the end of the season and then some of the tape that I was watching, I was noticing things that I didn't see before because, I mean, we can do a decent job analyzing quarterbacks across an entire conference throughout the season. But, I mean, the season's rolling. There's a lot of stuff to look at. There's a lot of things to do. So whenever it slows down, you have more time to go back and watch this stuff over again. It's like watching a movie again sometimes and seeing things you didn't see before if that makes any sense D no. to a different extent, but it's there. It definitely is there. Total. It makes total sense. I was just giving you a hard time. Um, <laughs> so Chrissy, um, we all obviously love sports. Um, is there an individual or even a game, a moment, anything that kind of clicked your switch to get you into the sporting reporting and, and all of this, because like I, I can go back to my grandfather listening to baseball when I was eight year old. And that, that, that's how I kind of like started to pick up all my big love for baseball and everything. Is there anyone who did that with you or even a game or anything? Yeah. Well, my dad was always a really big Titans fan. We had like a room that was a shrine to purely the Titans whenever I was growing up. And so one thing that I would always go back and watch whenever I was younger and now is the music city miracle. And I actually ended up um, interviewing Kevin Dyson and then, coming in contact with some people later on that were on that team. And so it's become kind of, it's more personal uh, to me, but I guess just being around someone who is so passionate about a team kind of influenced me when I was growing up. So I'll, I'll go a quick part B on that question. Since you're a big Titans fan, if I give you a hundred dollars right now, would you bet the over or the under win total on them? <laughs> I think I do the over. I mean, this, this is a team that I feel like has a lot of the right pieces in place. It's just a matter of when and if they can continuously with steadiness, put it together. Great answer because I already bet them before they got Julio Jones. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like that kind of makes the, they needed something to make them just a little bit more unstoppable on offense. Let's and I feel hope like that are. gives them, it does a lot more for the passing attack because they had, they had some good receivers. They had one really great receiver and then you have a really good running back and a pretty good quarterback. And so I feel like you just need a little bit, something else to elevate. I mean, if you look back at LSU, part of the reason why they were so successful on the passing attack was having a two headed snake of equally good wide receivers, like the two best in the nation right there together. 
no, you're dead on. I mean, you can't cover both sides of the field. Uh, there's very few teams that have uh, dual number one cornerbacks. Uh, plus, you know, you got to stay in the trenches and, and try to stop one of the best running backs in the game. Um, let's kind of transition to Mississippi State. So you just newly started with them. Um, you came in at a as, at a buzzing time. So uh, you know, props to Mississippi State. Uh, Bulldogs on their first College World Series national championship. Uh, I actually went out there and tried to do some coverage, um, and, and it was pretty incredible uh, to be a part of that. Um, did you have? Obviously, you covered it, and, and Smitty, you know, has some questions uh, regarding a specific player, Tanner Allen. But uh, were there any players that you were in contact uh, through that experience with, or was, it, was there anything that you know really stood out to you? You know, to kind of come into that and and it being the very first ever for that school. Yeah, well, I came uh, obviously to the beat in the middle of the run. And so I haven't really done any interviews of the players that are already there. I have spoken because there's an article that we're trying to write about kind of what this did for the culture from the perspective of former Mississippi State athletes who were a part of this feeling that it had been a long time coming and they had come so close to success, but never really achieved it in that way. So it was really, it was really fun to cover. It brought me back to kind of the same level of enthusiasm as when LSU football was making their run. So it's, it was a, it was a really rewarding thing to do and to be a, at least a small part of covering the team's first title in any team sport was a big deal. And we have a joke now that I'm a good luck charm because not too long after I started covering LSU on the ground, uh, they won the national championship in football, which obviously they have uh, some under their belt already. And then the baseball team, I wasn't necessarily there on the ground, but I was there basically. And then they go and win a national championship too. Hey, if I start the Gainesville Examiner in Gainesville, Florida, do you want to come work for us? Maybe. I have to see if the price is right. <laughs> you, you stole it because I was going to say, can, can we somehow get her up into Ann Arbor, Michigan and get Michigan <laughs> to win some games? Can you just go up there and say they're going to beat Ohio State for once and they can beat Ohio State? That would make my... Yeah, because I said so. that Mississippi State would beat LSU and I think I was literally the only one last year. Listen, I didn't take, find anybody else who put I, it on paper at least and released it on the internet in an article. <laughs> I'm going to try to get her right. a ticket up there, Q, to get her up to Ann Arbor <laughs> for that game, and we can maybe get that. So I, so I want to go into you covering the college athletes. So I have a question. With all this, and you, re, you uh, did an article on Tanner Allen, I think it was today. And mm-hmm. he, he's Play at midnight. Yeah, I mean, really good. Read it today. I mean, he's doing a lot. He's doing with his uh, trading cards, and he has some um, – some t-shirts and stuff. I really like the accept uh, Oxford design shirt. Mm-hmm. Overall, what's your opinion on the athletes making money off their image? I think it's a good thing. You know, I think a lot of people have split decisions on it. I, the thing I don't like is I don't like the way that it might re- uh, affect recruiting. I hope that recruits will keep their head on straight whenever they're going to look for a program because even before this, I feel like there was already kind of a trend of all the flashing lights and not really what the program itself was about. And then whenever you have the transfer portal, I think that's why you see so many players in the portal, which it's not everybody, but some of them, they're in there because they fell for the flashing lights and they ended up at the wrong program. And then after uh, the honeymoon period was over, they realized it wasn't going to work out. So I'm just hoping that it's not the same deal with the endorsements and the opportunities. But yeah, I mean, there are other people that are making a killing off of other people before this was, this was enacted before it was allowed for the image, uh, the image name and 
likeness thing. So I think that it's good that the athletes can make the money that really they deserve because whenever you're selling jerseys with someone else's name on the back and somebody else is making the profit instead of the person, it's just, it's kind of screwed up. It really is. And I think too, I was telling the guys before you joined us in the article, you said he's given back to the Mississippi State Foundation. And there's some other really, you know, key players that are given back to the community with it too. So that's really nice to see. Yeah. And then there's also, I can't remember who it was. I think there's been a few now that some of the bigger name guys are talking about spreading the wealth with some of their teammates, which I think is a, a really good thing to do because that's another thing I was kind of concerned about was just the little man and all of this, all the guys that uh, just probably won't get as much attention. And then they have teammates and maybe build animosity or just a different dynamic with someone else who's making so much money. I'll tell you, I think Miami's headed to spiral now when they were the first college to have an entire team um, agree to terms for the NIL uh, contract, you know, and like, that, that covers the little man. So as much as I hate, uh, you know, the Miami Hurricanes, you know, kudos to them uh, for kind of doing an all-inclusive deal. Now, obviously, Derek King and some others will, will get paid and then someone on some uh, mm-hmm. individual, you know, for to give everybody something, uh, you know, that them. So uh, that was kind of cool. Yeah, I hope more teams follow that. Um, I kind of want to steal the thunder real quick and then, you know, let the boys go. So, uh, obviously you were covering LSU uh, and you still are, um, you know, we'll, we'll touch on them, but we'll stay on Mississippi state real quick. Um, did you, I guess, uh, when you first came, you know, did you kind of backtrack and try to figure out like where this team is, is headed, uh, specifically football, you know, heading into fall camp, um, you know, a couple takeaways, you know, seems like there's a little bit of a quarterback battle, a number one receiver, you know, are they going to have, um, you know, a decent running game? Obviously Mike Leach is not really known for his running game. And the last two coaches, Dan Mullen and Joe Moorhead, uh, definitely had a balanced attack. Uh, so I think he's kind of battling that on the recruiting end, but, uh, where is this team headed, you know, into fall camp? Well, Mike Leach, has, I actually talked to him a few days ago. He's told me and he's told all the other reporters several times that this is still a work in progress. And sure. as someone who's certified in this offense, I can tell you that this the success in this offense is built off of consistent repetition to produce a high level of execution. And so whenever you had the COVID offseason last year, just think about it logically, repetition and then not being able to be on the practice field. It's probably not going to go well. And as you mentioned, Mississippi State, the the previous offensive scheme that it was using was the polar opposite. It couldn't have been any different. And so Mike walks in, and there are these players now that have run this other scheme. About half of them, you would assume, are either not comfortable and or not bought into this new scheme, And then you have barely any time to implement it. You can't implement it the way that you want it to. So I think, and then, and then on top of that, they're like the first or second youngest team in the SEC in the SEC West, which is probably the most competitive division in all of college football. So that's a really bad recipe. At that point, all the odds are stacked against you. So I think the reason why Mississippi state did poorly um, in really the middle of the season was because of all that. It had nothing to do with the air raid scheme or with Mike Leach at all. And really it was nobody's fault. And so the first one I think was kind of the ceiling of what it could be. And then part of it was the LSU defense's fault, obviously with Bo Pelini 
mostly to blame and then a poor uh, performance from the secondary there. But when you look at Mississippi State down the stretch of that season, you'll notice that the offense starts to get its feet under it and everyone seems more comfortable and they come close to beating these really, really good teams like Georgia. So I think that it was like we were finally getting toward the end of practice where we should have been with the proper amount of time in practice. So I think that there's a lot of good things in store for this team. I think if you look back at the numbers of when Mike Leach has entered a bad program, the first season or two sometimes is not really great. And this last season, not really great, but that doesn't, if you look down the rest of the numbers, you'll see that the pro the whole program gets turned around and they find a place in the history books and they finally become nationally recognized, at least for a blip of time. So I think that this team is headed somewhere good, but I think that, it's going to it's going to take a little while it might take two or three years before they become you know someone who's consistent that can win really consistently maybe not that long but i think that it's going to it's going to take longer than overnight so people are going to have to be patient i think i could speak for all of us you know we 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 all have uh, absolutely no issues with mike leach in fact i think he's an incredible coach um you know, I speak for the other two. They can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I, I'm I'm bought into the Mike Leach, so I, I'm fully supportive. I just kind of wanted to get your tank heading into uh, fall camp. Uh, Matter, Smitty. So Mike Leach is, uh, I think, probably a more intriguing human being than even being a great coach. First of all, Chrissy, I'm going to go a little more broader. Um, so basically, the past five, six years, uh, college football is boiled down to three teams. We have Bama, Clemson, Ohio State. Is there anyone from the SEC this year that can potentially please knock Bama out of the college football playoffs? Well, in theory, if LSU becomes – because on paper, it's the exact same recipe that they put together to win the national championship. So there's – I'm not counting on it, but there's – technically a chance that they could repeat and do the exact same thing um other than that i really this year specifically this year no i don't see it happening i think that it would be alabama again and the only team I mean, I was, most of the time it is unless there's some type of fluke the only other team i was possibly hoping you were going to say in there might be a texas a&m this year that is kind of quietly put together some nice pieces. The problem I have with Texas A&M is, and I think he's a good coach. I do not trust Jimbo Fisher in a big game anymore. Uh, he's kind of been <laughs> defrauded in my opinion. Yeah. I think that there's some merit to that. Uh, and I, a lot of the stuff with Texas, I mean, Texas A&M and that hype is built off of all these in theory things like, the whole Haynes King thing. I think that he can be really good, but what has he actually shown us? Literally nothing. So it's, it's something that if it, if all these big dreams that people have come true, which there is some validity to them and they very well could, then yeah, but they could also uh, quickly fall off and just become average this year. Yeah, I think, you know, Texas A&M, two great running backs, but I think you said it really well there. What do you have a quarterback? That's the issue with Texas A&M, in my opinion, and my research so far. You know, I think LSU, you said it. I think this is a team, you got 17 returning starters, eight on offense, eight defense, offensive lines coming back, defensive lines coming back. It's going to be the quarterback play again. And I think down the stretch, Johnson, 
I really like Johnson as a quarterback for LSU. I think this is a team that's going to really bounce back and have a really good year. Yeah. Yeah, I think that really last year for LSU is more of a rebuilding year. And then you have a lot of guys that come back and they start to gain at least some experience. And then the quarterback room is more stacked for LSU than we've seen in a very, very long time. And I mean, I would, I think that Johnson has a lot of good playmaking ability just within himself. And I think we've seen steady improvement uh, from him as a passer and what little we've seen and in what little we've seen, he also hasn't lost a game. So I think that what we saw Miles Brennan is someone who just hasn't had the type of upward tra- uh, trajectory that we'd hoped for. And he certainly doesn't look like someone who sat behind Joe Burrow for all that time. And so if I'm Ed Ogeron, I'm keeping the continuity. I'm rolling with Max Johnson. Yeah, I like that as well. I just think Brennan, you know, they were trying to hit another home run like they did with uh, you know, Joe Burrow. And I just don't get there. Um, so, you know, you got a younger guy who shows potential. Just roll with it. You know, take your lumps in one year uh, to gain experience for the next season. Uh, just kind of the, my mindset on how it should be, you know, if he can show any growth, you know, roll with that. Um, with LSU, so Bo Pliny's out. Obviously, you're covering them. Um, I know you said earlier, you know, you're not hopeful that they can, you know, quintessentially knock off Bama, right? I think Bama's, like you said this year, they're just head and shoulders above everybody else. They had a young defense. They're pretty much all returning uh, with the exception of one or two guys. Um but, you know, LSU has an incredible defense returning as well, and they were pretty young. They had the injury bug last year. Stingley sat out. Um, defensively, I think they're a team that is a juggernaut. It just seems to me like offensively, you know, Miles Brennan's not cutting it, in my opinion. Johnson's young. He hasn't got a lot of playing time um, in, in games. And then it just doesn't seem like they really have any – any uh, number one playmakers like outside of Justin Jefferson who just left and, and Jamar Chase. I mean, who's that next guy to step up offensively and make them, you know, a powerhouse for the year or next year? I mean, you'd think it'd be a wide receiver, like maybe someone like Keishon Boutte, but there's the, to me, the, when I look at it, there's a lot of guys on offense that it's a matter of whether or not they step up. I think they have the proper coaches in place and the proper attack that they're going to make. But it's a matter of if Max Johnson can stay steady and then if they do choose to put in Miles Brennan, if he can be a lot more than we have expected him to be so far. So I think that they'll emerge. LSU typically does a very good job of recruiting and bringing players, especially guys like wide receivers, into their own. But there's not a lot of people that really stick out the way that you see on some of these other teams. Yeah, I agree. Chrissy, um, you guys have a new defensive coordinator. What I, – I'm sorry, I didn't do quite do my homework. What position or where did he come from before this year? Uh, Durante Jones came from Arkansas. Okay, thank you. I'll tell you, Arkansas had a, a decent defense last year. They, they obviously had uh, struggles on offense. Give them credit. He, he definitely did uh, one hell of a job, kept them relevant. Um. Christy, so I guess now that you're working for both, um, you know, is it kind of 50-50 in terms of, um, you know, sharing the, your time and, and research, or are you have heavily involved in Mississippi versus LSU? This what, what's the dynamic the uh, the football season, same conference, you know, and they're pretty big football. 
I just realized I misspoke. I was thinking of another coach. We've had so many coaching changes. No, Durante Jones is the one that came from the Minnesota Vikings. Okay. okay. He was there last year, and he was Bengals and Dolphins. He's he's the one that's been in the NFL a lot. Okay. But what was the what was the question? Uh, I was just asking, like so so obviously you're you're doing dual working uh, in the same conference, you know, and, and you have two powerhouse uh, SEC schools, you know, I say powerhouse, but they're big football schools in the SEC. Like, is it kind of 50-50 on a workload? Are you kind of more com- uh, contractually committed to one school more than the other? Is that something you can't really get into or, or like, how does that work? Yeah, well, right now I'm pretty much splitting it. And since I'm moving on fully to Sports Illustrated um, ahead of the football season, because you can't really cover two teams at the same time for competing outlets in the middle of football season, um, so I'll be covering LSU for USA Today for the next two months or so. And then after that, I'll pretty much switch over fully to Mississippi State and then keep focusing on quarterbacks and that kind of stuff like I always do. Okay, Awesome. Um, Smitty? Well, you say quarterbacks, so I got to ask, because if you really do research on you, you really break down these quarterbacks. So who's your favorite quarterback? I have to ask. Like who do you enjoy breaking down or yeah, just all time. Who's your favorite quarterback? You know, I don't, I'm trying to think of if I really have one. I mean, it would probably be Joe Montana if we're going back all the way through all of history. Cause I just thought that he was just has outdone everyone else. And I kind of like going back to the old classic guys back whenever a quarterback was actually a quarterback and we didn't do all this running around stuff that we do now. <laughs> I don't really care for that. I, I prefer for a traditionally set up offense where everybody does their job and we don't have a do it all quarterback that runs all over the place. And then every now and then we'll utilize our runner, our running back. And then we'll utilize our wide receivers. I just don't, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the whole Lamar Jackson thing. Kudos to him. He's got a lot of talent. He's a great athlete, but I just don't like that from a quarterback. It's that's not what a quarterback to me. A quarterback to me is a guy that stands tall in the pocket that has, has touch, has accuracy, can deliver the ball at all levels of the field and doesn't have to run for his life with a good offensive line in front of him, of course. Well said. I like it. (laughs) We got Maddie back. Maddie, those storms must be bad up in Pittsburgh. Uh, Don't don't start. My internet's (laughs) in and out. (laughs) All right, Chrissy, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, I think, uh, Smitty, I have one final question, um, and I think it's a good question for all of our viewers. Um, Smitty, why don't you you ask? Yeah, well, I came, you know, I was thinking about it. Again, we've we've talked, and you've really gone into, you've done so much. And again, like you said, you just turned 22, which is just, Mm -hmm. to me, remarkable what you've done. And it's, you can tell you're going to go places. And, you know, we're really pulling for you but if what would be the best advice you would give to a future female trying to follow you in your footsteps in this sports journalist and doing what you're doing what would be the best advice you'd give somebody I would just say to start early as early as you realize that you want to do it and then start to build a brand because with me when I realized that I liked covering the quarterback position I kind of made that my brand. And when I realized that I wanted to cover sports at all, I made sure that I built a little portfolio and just sent it out everywhere that I could to get on somewhere and kept trying to make sure that I had some sort of upward momentum. And so now 
let's see if I did that when I was 15, about to turn 16. And then now I'm 22. Then that's somewhere around, I'd say seven ish years of experience now that I have, as opposed to a lot of other people that are coming out of college with little to no experience, maybe two or three, if they've really, uh, I guess, figured it out during college. And so there's a lot of jobs that you'll see. It's like a college degree and or equivalent experience. And so I have the degree and I have the equivalent experience. So I think that's been something that's helped me along the way. And then also just whenever you've been in the industry that long and you've consistently networked, you have hundreds of more connections than you would have had if you'd started later. Hey, Chrissy, real quick before you go, sorry, I cut out there. You want to give a plug or anything like that before you jump off? Yeah. Um, so basically, we're just working on quarterback ranking stuff like that. I have a Carson Strong story coming out uh, really soon. And all my work is posted on Sports Illustrated and USA Today. And then on my Twitter handle, which is just Chrissy underscore Freud. Thanks. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Chrissy, we really appreciate you coming on. We definitely, uh, as we get closer to fall camp, you know, if you'd be willing to again, like to get you uh, to come back on and talk more SEC football once we really start breaking down the conferences. Um, and uh, until then, you know, congratulations on the new job with Mississippi State. You know, it's, it's definitely a fun time to be down there. Um, you have incredible coaches to cover. Uh, I've, you know, I've, I follow Brandon Walker and he says Starkville is absolutely amazing. Um, so if, when you go down there, you know, enjoy it. Maybe he's somebody definitely to get in contact with. Um, he knows the person and out and uh, he's always looking for somebody to hook him up with Mike Leach. So I'm going to give him a <laughs> Um, we appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much. Have a good yeah. night, Chris. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Next time there, I'll be in my own house. There won't be any, uh, 12 year olds <laughs> yelling at each other in the background. Uh, All right. All right. I'll talk yeah. to you later. Hey, thank yep. you so much. Bye, Chris. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, she's definitely, you know, for 22, um, you know, obviously, what we were talking about prior to the show, Smitty, what we were doing at 22. Um, she's so well. Um, and that advice she gave, it, it hits home to me because, you know, she started 16, 17. I started in the fire service at 16. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm 28 uh, in a couple of days. That's 12 years of experience. Um, you know, instead of starting at 19, 20, 21, and then you're losing four or five years. Um, you know, I know you have two girls at home, you know, one of them is a uh, Kentucky Derby guru. So maybe she needs to start <laughs> blog. <laughs> well, she has experience. Well, I'll tell you, you know, we've said this so many times we've had, especially over the summer, we've really brought on some great guests over the summer. And then when you kind of you get in touch with these individuals and you start researching them to come up with questions, it's, you know, you, you dive into their work and I were, was really, you know, Q, I think you were in contact with her a couple months ago. And so we started following some of her work and now we've been back in touch and luckily she came on for us, but it, it, just to break down what she's done. And then to see yesterday, she posted like, you know, her birthday things and it was 22, I'm thinking 22 years old and you're doing this and this and, and just, it's there, it's someone that, I would not be shocked that's going to be big time because you can just hear listening to her talk sports there. She, she knows her stuff. And that was, that was great. I mean, she's really good with quarterbacks and to read her articles. I've really enjoyed, I dove into a lot of some of her work that she's, um, 
she's done and um she's she's a talent for sure so it was great first first female on the show boys yeah she's she's really polished which is impressive to see for uh someone who's only 22 heck when i was 22 i was just bartending trying to scrape enough money together for some miller light in the apartment and go out clubbing and doing some very bad things that police may be i was probably selling you that kurt angle shirt at a party (laughs) (laughs) well i'll tell you what boys you know she's definitely got me football i don't even want to touch baseball today unless you guys really want to let's give our listeners a break because we're at a time it's just it's a doozy right now i mean yeah you have the nba playoffs you just had the nhl uh playoffs um wrap up but uh, you don't want to go on my streak of six and oh six winners in baseball six straight winners let's hit on that because you deserve credit for that that's you're on you're on fire but like i want to talk football i'm just no it's that was great just to hear her go in and talking about the different players and like i said i've been diving in a little bit here with the sec i'm about finished up with the sec ready to go to the big 10 and just some of the things she was hitting on and I had in my notes. And, man, I could have just sat there and just listened to her talk for about three straight hours talking football there. And you, I I really wanted to dive more into just – and Matt said it just uh, – man, I love Mike Leach. And just uh, to hear <laughs> to, – to be able to go in and talk to him for a little bit, that would be, that'd be enjoyable. Man, I'd love to hear some pirate stories, have him come in with a saber or something or other. Yeah, he's – He's an interesting dude, in my opinion. I mean, even from his tech, tech days, you know, he's always had that that awkward, intriguing personality, um, almost as if, like, he was in a closet or maybe it was a player in a closet. Who knows? We're not going to bring up old stories, but it'd probably be worth talking about. Um, well, I think yeah. she said it well, too, with that program is, you know, everything researching that I have done is the air raid really – it, it does improve in like his second year, it gets a little better. And then you go into what she said with the COVID thing last year, it's so much, it's so timing. And, you know, we kind of hit a little bit with the quarterbacks with them, didn't dive in as probably as much as we should, because they have an interesting thing. The one kid came at the end, got some big wins for him. They had the transfer coming in from um, Southern Miss that has had a great career at Southern Miss and played well in the spring game. So it should be interesting to see who wins that job going into the fall there for Mississippi state. Yeah. I mean, you know, everything you read right now, you know, just talking about that quarterback, obviously she, she hit it right. Um, A lot of those players may not be comfortable and that's a recruiting standpoint. It's going to take him time because, you know, to run an air raid, you got to have speed. And and if you're trying to run a balanced offense, speed necessarily isn't your, your number one uh, focus, um, you know, in a balanced attack that Joe Moorhead and Dan Mullen implemented for God. I mean, 12, 13 years now because Mullen had eight or nine years himself. Um, So it's going to take some time. And I thought she hit that really well, but uh, quarterback wise, you know, it seems like right now, Rogers, um, he just, he's been there a little bit longer. Obviously he was there last year. So he's got more time under the system. Um, I wouldn't say much more time because of the COVID. So they had practices and stuff, but uh, again, Abrams is pushing them hard from everything I read. I don't think there's a clear cut, um, winner, you know, for instance, Emory Jones is a clear-cut guy at Florida. I think there's still some competition that Abrams, you know, given his track record at Southern Miss, could come in, and if Rodgers has a bad fall camp, I mean, Abrams could be starting week one for sure. I'm, I'm going to flip it a little bit away from uh, Mississippi State. I, I prefer the LSU talk. So yeah. the, the reason I asked her about the defensive guy was 
first he's new. So I mean, I mean, he has a good pedigree, obviously. I wasn't sure where he came from, but they also have, they lost Joe Brady to the NFL. So they have a new play caller called Jake Peets. So in 2019, they were averaging 7.9 yards of play. Last year, they went down to five and a half. Ground game was actually very, very bad for college at 3.3 yards of carry last fall. I mean, I know she's high on them, and I'm actually high on their defense because they probably have the two best corners uh, tandem in the country. But, man, that's a, that's a lot of offense they got to find and come up with. And I think they're third in just the SEC West, which means basically they have to leapfrog, <laughs> I mean, Bama, Texas A&M, and then probably Georgia or Florida from the East. I, I, I can't see how they come out of the SEC this year. I think, I think they're going to improve. You know, I, I'm diving in. I've been listening to some people talk about, especially offensive line, defensive line, people coming back. And like I said to her, they get, they have about everybody coming back. I think that's going to be big. The big thing, like we said, their defense allowed 34.9 points, close to 500 yards a game. Man, you're not beating anybody doing that. And I know college football, you can give up some yards. Again, the, the DB, the DBs and um, one of the magazines I got, they have them ranked number one. Uh, that's going to help. I think they improve. I've listened to some other shows. They think this is one of the best teams. It's not like what Matt said. They're not going to be one of the elite programs, but a, a team that's going to jump, I think, from where they were last year to really improve. But I'll tell you, their first game, tricky game. I think, I believe they go out west to UCLA. In they their do. First in their first game and UCLA, if I'm correct, because I'm just diving into this football, I believe UCLA plays Hawaii in that like week zero matchup. They get a little tune up and then they have, then they play this game. So, you know, that's another intriguing team. I haven't got into the pac 12 yet, but that's a team with uh, chip Kelly. Are they going to improve, but they get that game against UCLA and then LSU has to go, kind of, I don't want to say cross country, but they have a little travel there to go play. So that's an interesting game to see where we're at. If they lose that, yeah. I mean, I agree with Matt. I mean, Bama, again, Bama is going to be tough. A&M, I think, is going to be real good. But again, like she said, is the quarterback going to be there for uh, Texas, or excuse me, for Texas A&M there? The running backs are unbelievable. It's the, can they, can they, jump you know i think a team in that sec west since we're talking football i think auburn's a team that's really intriguing to see what they're going to do this year because new coach new d i think a new offense coordinator they bring mason in from vanderbilt the head coach and to run their defense which he's been really good as a defensive coordinator this is the year is bo nicks going to be that superstar uh not a great year last year and a game that's really intriguing early in their schedule is traveling to Happy Valley and playing Penn State. That's going to be an interesting game. It's funny you brought that up, Smitty. So the preseason ranks uh, Penn State 13, Auburn 15. But uh, sorry, Bo Nix, just go sell your Milos. <laughs> yeah, not. I mean, you can reach out. You can reach out to me and say, "Hey, you're a jerk," and prove me wrong. I hope you do, but. Uh, I, I think uh, Auburn actually gets out of the gate 0-1. Yeah, I think – well, Penn State, that's week three. 
they play. That's just a weird, weird match. There's some weird matchups. I mean, that's an interesting game. Auburn going into Penn State there. I mean, Penn State is a tough you, – you break down – I mean, I'm not trying to jump all over the place here, but just Penn State, I believe, opens up at Wisconsin, and then they play kind of, a, I think, a MAC team or somebody easy, and then they have Auburn coming in. So Penn State opens up really tough at the beginning of their season too. I'll be buying a Bucky Badger shirt this year. I need I need that squad to come through. Well, I don't really have much uh, Big Ten stuff like you boys do. I haven't looked yet. I, I kind of started with the SEC. Um, you know, I'll definitely do my research on Big Ten. But I was looking – so when you guys were talking, I was looking at um, LSU's schedule. And I'll tell you, it's a tough schedule. I mean – you know, UCLA could easily be a loss. They have to try. You know, they they get AM um, at home, but AM, I think, will beat them at home. They have to play Florida at home. You know, I'm sure Dan Mullen's going to be pissed off. You know, they should have won that game uh, when their their defensive back threw the shoe, and that really kept LSU in it and, and ultimately gave them the win. Um, Florida's going to want revenge, especially because that was on their home field. Um, you know, I'll tell you another team not to sleep on this year is Ole Miss. I think what they got is – you know, they've got the recruiting fired up. Um, you know, Lane Kiffin is just all over social media, and that's kind of the recruiting nowadays, right, is to be the flashiest guy and, and, and everything like that, and that's what he is. Um, so, you know, they have they have two gunslingers there. Um, forgive me. I know it's Matt Corral, and I can't think of the other one. Oh, Plumlee. <laughs> beat threat, but he got a cannon on him. That's a team that could certainly beat LSU, and I would not be surprised. So, you know, like I told her, they really don't have any offensive weapons. You know, you said the running game took a massive decline, but you got to think they had those numbers when Clyde Edwards Hilaire was there, and we see what he does in Kansas City's spread offense. So, like, he's just uh, – he's, you know, a pure running back, and he's showing it in the NFL like he did in college. Uh, they don't have anybody like him. They don't have a Justin Jefferson. They don't have a Jamar Chase uh, to really emerge um, or who has shown, you know, that that great potential. And I think that's really what's going to hurt them is – they had the perfect recipe at the same time and, and they benefit from that. And then after the, all of those guys leave, I mean, you lose your whole offense, you were gutted. And I think they're still reaping the, the uh, consequences of that. And it's going to hurt. And, I, and personally, I don't think Ed Orgeron's the best recruiter in my opinion. Um, I, I think he's an overrated coach. I always have. Um, again, I think he benefited from an, a perfect recipe. I, I don't, if you take one or two of those guys away, I don't know if they win that championship and perfect season like that the two things since you're talking about ed orgeron i just watched a thing on colin cowherd's podcast mark sanchez does the best impression of him <laughs> look that up tonight it is one of the funniest things you'll see he's like dead on second thing i want to bring up is old miss this might be the best game of the year i'm just going to throw this out as maybe a gambler What's the over-under? Let's set this right now. Let's become Greg Peterson, but for college football here and try to set our own line here. November 6th, they play Liberty. 78 and a half. 78 and a half. Jimmy, Jimmy the Greek, Matt Nails. Go for it. 66. Ooh, I'm going to say in the mid-70s too. I think that's going to be a shootout. That's going to be a lot of offense. That's going to be a lot of fun. And kudos to that, man. Freeze coming back into his old stomping grounds. I think that's an intriguing matchup. That's just one that I already marked down in the notebook here. 
and I even wrote a little side note there, get ready for the over in that game. That will be, that will probably be like a, a 13, uh, 10 game. Kicking some <laughs> goals right. Well, I'll tell you what, just touched on Liberty real quick. They have that quarterback returning and he is, uh, an extremely good quarterback. Like he could play at a, a highly better school uh, than Liberty and do very well. You know, what Hugh Freeze able to do with him is incredible. Malik Davis, I think, is that his name? Um, uh, yeah. Will, I'm thinking of Willis. Is, am I wrong with that? No, you're right. You're right. It's, it's, I think it's Malik Willis. He's an absolute stud. I so, just think that's going to be, and I just, I love the matchup because again, you got Freeze coming back into where he coached. Uh, with his new team, I think that's an intriguing matchup, especially late. I mean, November 6th in the season, I think that's an intriguing matchup there. I think that could be a lot of points. You're going to have Liberty very fired up there to try to pull the upset there on old Miss and stuff. So, no, I think, you know, I'll tell you another one, because since we talked about Mississippi State, I think they open up with, uh, or they have them early, NC State. That's an intriguing matchup. I think that NC State team is a team that's going to be, a very improved team from last year too. So I've been trying to dive into a little bit over overs and uh, under some win totals here, trying to match up here to get out here soon. So like I said, I'm about done with the SEC, ready to hit to the big 10. I have to try to probably be, uh, break my heart to break down Michigan's uh, season coming up. So. Hugh, I got, I got one for you since we're, we're talking football week one, your Florida Gators play Florida Atlantic. How nervous are you going to be week one? I'm not nervous. I, I think, <laughs> like, Dan, you know how many games I've watched with him, Matt? How, how nervous he gets? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'm I'm not nervous about Florida Atlantic. I mean, I, I think um, who's down there now? Because after Lane Kiffin left, who, who uh, who's the coach down there? I actually don't know. I, I I didn't look it up, but didn't Butch Davis didn't Butch Davis go back down to? Oh Buffalo? God, I hope not. You know, I, I would say, I I think it's a coach we all have heard of. Oh, is it um, is is it Randy Shannon's down there? Maybe. Oh, 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 if that's the case, then no worries. We're really we're really diving. Butch Davis can can we just keep naming old Miami coaches? <laughs> Let me see here because I don't want to look that up. I think it's Butch Davis for some reason. Willie Taggart. I knew it was somebody. Oh, well, don't worry about it. You're in good shape there too. (laughs) I'm not worried about that. I'm actually not worried about, so they go Florida Atlantic at home. Then they travel to South Florida. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about the Alabama game, September 18th. I mean, I just don't see, you know, if if Alabama's quarterback situation just takes a tumble, um, for the first time in a decade, you know, then Florida has a chance, but they just they have so much talent. I think Florida catches a loss there, even though it's at home. Um, it's so I, I'm not worried until week three, um, <laughs> especially not Willie Taggart. I wasn't worried when he had a better team at Florida state. Um, what was I actually, so I'm actually looking up the lines. What week did you say that was the uh, Liberty Ole Miss game, Smitty? Uh, that's November 6th. All right, give me a second. Well, while you're looking, Q, here's what I just broke down. It's kind of funny. So I broke down uh, Liberty's schedule last year. You guys said uh, somewhere mid-70s for a total. Yes. They only they only hit the mid-70s once last year. Wow, great little tidbit there. Once. I mean, they got a 71, 72, 73, but uh, only 191, and one of those games was an overtime game too. So 
I don't know. I, I think that's 66 coming right off the top of my head might be okay. Well, I know Liberty, one score, Matt, and if you have their schedule pulled up, they played NC State, and that was a real low-scoring game. 14-13. 14-13, okay. Yeah. I thought that was going to be a, uh, uh, just a shootout because heading into yep. that state average like 35 a game. I looked at here at FanDuel. They have a few November 6 games. Obviously, the the marquee games, but they don't actually have a line. Well, you know, and we said, you know, diving into what we've talked about is it's it's the quarterback play. So many of these teams, it's just looking at some of the SEC teams, it's just question marks. Like, you know, you said Alabama, they got a new guy now, big time talent. You know, again, you get Bill O'Brien, new system coming in there. How's he going to play? You know, Mississippi State, we talked about. Uh, Texas A&M we've hit on today. Who's going to be the quarterback again at LSU? Auburn again, question mark. Bo Nix had the name, has the talent. Can he put it all together? There's so many question marks. And I mean, that's why, man, again, we could sit here until 10 o'clock and talk college football because I know how we are with college sports here. So, um, but I'm ready, boys. I'm ready to dive into it. And I can't wait until we, uh, get into the first week action here and get some winners. I'll tell you in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have to start, you know, breaking down, you know, we start with the power fives, knock those out and then kind of dive into your, your smaller conferences, like your American or your conference USA, your group of five. And I think it's most important to cover those now this year that, um, you know, we're getting talks of a potential 12 team playoff, not this year uh, and not for a couple of years, but it's going to put those teams on the map now because, People are going to start tracking who the the best group of five uh, winner is, you know, if, if that's the way college football is going to go. So I think we have a prime opportunity to, to you know, spread some some light on those schools, you know, kind of get a, a jump on the game and uh, and go from there. You know, and I'd like to, you know, maybe do each show. You just break down one conference, you know, an hour, you know, just because there's so many teams, uh, quarterback situations, like Smitty said, uh, you know, defensive situations like Matt, I talked about with LSU and, and some others. So um, I'm and excited. We need to hit on the Heisman. Everybody pick a Heisman winner and, um, you know, we'll try to do conference, then do our final four and then pick a national champion too, and just see how track it through the year and see how we, uh, how we did. Just to plant the seed, I will be um, starting up that college league again soon. See how many teams we can get in there and fill out too. Oh, that would be that would be great. Uh, great talk on here too with the big matchups. Can't yes, wait, Smitty. Why don't you uh, take the show towards the end and talk about your little heater that you got going on? Well, you know, I don't want to. When you brag, it goes sour really quick, but. You know, I I had a good, I think it was 4th of July. I had a really good baseball day. And again, it's not bragging. I don't try to brag. I post. Sometimes I post, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I give them to people. But uh, yeah, yeah. Well, again, you know, I I played the, I played two hockey last night, which was big uh, goose egg. I thought Tampa was really going to put it on um, and win. And Montreal, great job pulling your goalie with about 20 seconds left um, when you're, you need the game. So I was trying to hope for a, a cheap goal there, but I thought it was going to be a high scoring game. It wasn't, I was 0 2 in hockey and that happens, but I gave out five winners in baseball, five and zero last night. I gave out an early afternoon, first five Arizona, which this is when this is, you know, things are going well, boys, 
when I was outside doing something, came in, it was 2-1 in the bottom of the fifth. Guy got a base hit. It was down to two outs. And I was like, okay, I need, I need, uh, I need a home run here. I can't even remember who it was. Some guy came up, he was hitting 176 with two home runs. And I'm like, well, that's like, that ain't going to happen. He hits a home run. So Arizona three, two end of five big winner. And then they got trounced. I think they lost eight, three. So that's why you play the first five sometimes, but I'm uh, following some good stats on teams playing, um, you know, Colorado. So I've been trying to do that. I heard, got some good advice uh, the other day on social media. So I played that and it worked out. So uh, my best play was five and one. Uh, I've been given out today. My best play got rained out. It was going to be the pirates Mets under seven and a half, but uh, I'm playing the cubbies tonight. I gave out, I have a Casey Detroit run line parlay plus the runs. Kansas City's up 3-1. Detroit is 0-0. And then I'm playing some NBA props that I gave out. Went 3-0 in game one in those. So let's just try to stay hot. I mean, sometimes when it looks good, then the next night you wake up and you go 0-5. So we'll see what happens. But free plays, trying to give them out. Hopefully you're tailing. Hopefully you can win some money. I like it. Stay hot. I'm hoping, uh, you know, I've had a little cold streak on my, on my, uh, my betting. Um, you know, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't kept up with posting plays on MLB. Uh, I just had a little streak. Didn't really follow through with it, but I'll be full fledged on college football. I would say it's probably my strongest sport is college football. Tigers just got two. So Kansas city's up three, one and Detroit is up two zero in the run line parlay. So uh good start. We'll see if they can finish. Matty, you got anything? Yeah. Um, so soccer, I, I haven't played much daily um, games. I've been doing a lot of the soccer, the Europa and the Copa Cup. So I had uh, England to advance, and I got them in a parlay, and I have Brazil to advance, teaming them up. So I'll, I'll be watching a little soccer coming up. And the golf, I've stayed hot on the golf. So two weeks ago I had the winner in Harris English. Last week, I had Joaquin Neiman. He lost in a playoff, sadly. And then this week, I have a guy named Hank Libiota, who, after day one, is tied to the lead at minus eight. So, another guy to keep an eye on. I'm kind of heating up. I really, really struggled in the beginning of the year on the, uh, on the golf. I mean, I could do all the homework in the world. I could do no homework in the world. It didn't matter. It was coming up a loser. All of a sudden, I caught some uh, some fire here to get back in it. So, yeah. So, I mean, Matt, again, we we both kind of put out our plays, and I enjoy looking what Matt does because I respect Matt with his golf plays. Um, again, he did well last week. Last week was my first week that I didn't hit. I had uh, uh, Kokrak, and he was out of the top 10 by a stroke, and he lost, uh, lost his match play. So, I was a big O for last week. I'm playing this turn. I mean, Matt will agree with me. Not a lot of big names in this one. A lot of guys are already over um, over in Europe uh, playing in a tournament this week. But I played um, Russell Henley. I think that's right. Never heard of him, but I re- did some research. Uh, plus 2,000 to win to the tournament. He shot a minus four today. Uh, I'm on – these are top ten plays, and I gave him out. Norin, he's at minus one. That kiss is a kissery, Matt. 
Patton. Uh, Patton Kazar. Kazar. Okay. I played him. I know I it lost for me a couple weeks ago. Played him. Going back to my Doc Redman. I love him. Man, I play Doc Redman about every week. Trackside was making fun of me. Um, he's at minus two. And Zach Johnson, I played, and he's at minus three. So not a bad day one in this. I think the leader is minus eight. Yeah. Yeah. I spoke too early. My uh, Hank Leviota bogeyed one of the last two holes to finish minus seven. Um, yes, Vinny, I, I like your plays. Uh, I'm not as big a Doc Redmond fan as you are. Now, you did have a guy last week named Doug Gim to win, uh, I think, a matchup. He's a sneaky good player. He's actually minus five this week. He's somebody to look at in the matchups this week. And I did give out a matchup play. Uh, Trackside gave out two, and I think I retweeted it. I could not get the one he was doing. I played, uh, I can't remember the first guy, but it's uh, his last name was Power. I think he shot him. Seamus Power. Okay. I played him over uh, Bello, B-E-L-L-O, and he won the matchup. So I gave that out early. I think he won by about two strokes over him. So that was an early uh, matchup play winner i'll see i mean again we always treat out track sides matchups he's really good in golf um i try to follow him if i see something i like i'll play it tomorrow too and get that out try to get a winner for some people there too next week's the big british open draft i think probably starts tomorrow for myself and matt which is yeah i um i put a future on it already today i took uh patrick cantlay uh future for the open next week i'm not huge on it but I got him at 30 to one. So I threw a little pizza money down and see what I can get. I mean, he, he's not the longest driver of the ball. He's very accurate. So we'll see if it pays off. There you have it. There's your PGA tour. Golf guru. <laughs> All right, boys, I have nothing else. If you guys don't have anything else, we'll wrap this up. Yeah, I'm good, I'm good for right now, but I'm just watching a little baseball in the background. Great show. Again, just a great, I'm so excited. Just the, the people we keep bringing on Q. I think we're getting great guests and great information and it's great to have them, you know, to contact. So let's just keep it up and try to keep giving the audience some free plays and some free winners and trying to keep bringing on great guests for, so people can learn some information and get ready for whatever season's coming up. I love it. All right, boys. I'll see you guys next week. All right, man. Have a good night, guys. Stats don't lie. Find those winners. Thanks for listening to the Notebook Wagering Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any episodes and be sure to follow at Notebook Wagering. Until next time.